TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. The madness of March is upon us, as is another episode of The Scoop Podcast. It is Friday night, March 1st. It's the 6 o'clock hour here on Score North, scorenorth.com, 1500 a.m. on your radio dial in the Twin Cities and metropolitan area. The Scoop Podcast has been going strong for nearly three years now. We now take over the 6 o'clock hour here on 1500 a.m. We typically do at least one, if not two, episodes of The Scoop Podcast a week. For example, earlier this week, we caught up with Mike Gibbons, St. Cloud State assistant hockey coach after St. Cloud State's miserable weekend last weekend in terms of travel back from Omaha. It wasn't miserable on the ice. They clinched yet another NCHC conference championship, but the ordeal of them taking a bus back from Omaha, getting stuck in southern Minnesota in a blizzard on Sunday was pretty crazy. So we had Mike on to talk about that, plus talk about the Huskies run, and with them being the number one team in the country, they certainly are one heck of a talker. So that was episode 206 earlier this week. We also caught up with Bryce Brodzinski of Blaine High School, future Gophers hockey player, Mr. Hockey finalist. Plus, we had some notes on the Vikings, including the reluctance of Everson Griffin and Kyle Rudolph to take pay cuts. Now, they could end up, the Vikings, this is, trading one of those guys, specifically Everson Griffin. Keep an eye on his trade market. But in terms of the Vikings being able to create cap space by getting one of those two guys or both to restructure, the bet is not a good one on either guy willingly restructuring their contract. So the Vikings, if they want to create that cap space with those guys, may have to either trade or release. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on with those guys in particular. This first segment of the Scoop podcast on this Friday night will focus on... European football, soccer. Adrian Heath is in his third year as Minnesota United coach. United open up their third MLS season tomorrow afternoon in Vancouver. We here at 1500 are your home for the Loons. Game time tomorrow, 5 p.m. Central. They start with five road games before opening up Allianz Field in St. Paul in mid-April. Let's catch up with Adrian Heath. Adrian, always appreciate catching up. All right, opener tomorrow in Vancouver. Tell us about what your excitement level is. Well, like everybody at this, this stage of the season, we're full of optimism, you know, and excitement. I, I think I said earlier in the week, I'm probably more excited this year than at any time because I, I feel as though now we have a team that's ready to compete in the league. You know, I, I don't feel as though we've been on a, a level footing with a lot of teams over the last two years. But with this group now, you know, when I look back halfway through last season, we added uh, Angelo Rodriguez, Romario Ibarra, Darwin Quintero. We added five more faces. You know, all them are going to be in the first team tomorrow. So it's... Uh, you know, we, we've got a we've got a decent group now, and we've got the added bonus of Ethan Finley and Kevin Molino coming back as well. So everything's you know we've had a really good preseason. Um, I've been really pleased with the mood in the camp, um, the togetherness, and you know we had five clean sheets, which has been a problem for us in preseason. Remained undefeated and come through unscathed. Everybody's fit and healthy, so it's been a really good uh, last six weeks. And what about the, what, you had, what, four exhibition games, four against MLS opponents at least? I mean, what stood out from those from those preseason games? 
Well, I think we looked a lot more solid. We, we didn't look as though we were as vulnerable from set pieces. We didn't look as though we were as vulnerable on the counter-attack. Um, and I think that mainly down to the fact that we've we've added some good pieces in the middle of the pitch, you know, through the spine. You know, in goal, we've got Vita Manone, we've got Aikapara, who's been as good as anybody in this league over the last seven or eight years. Ozzy Alonso, undoubtedly the best number ten, uh, number six in the league for the last ten years. And we've added a Slovakian international. So, you know, we, we, we feel as though we've upgraded. We've got more strength and depth than at any stage that I've been here. So, you know, we, we, we're full of optimism. We, we, we feel as though this group, and you know, we're still not done. We still like to add one or two more pieces. And if we can, I think now we have a, we have a group that's ready to compete. When you say adding one or two more pieces, I mean, are those talks ongoing? Are you close to any more additions? Well, we, we, we're trying. We're trying. Obviously, we, we've got to be roster compliant by the end of the month, and then we can still play by, by uh, bringing one or two players until the, at the end of uh, March. So we, we've, we, we, we still, we're always looking. We're trying to upgrade in certain areas if we can. And, you know, if it's only squad pieces that would help us, then that would be the case. But at this moment, while we still can, we, we're not going to give up seeing if we can maybe add to one, one or two more pieces. You brought up the name Ozzy Alonso. I mean, what what makes him so good? How big of an addition is he? Well, he's he's, he's not only is he good on the ball, but he spots danger when the opposition have it. You know, he's that last line of defense before they get to our back four. Um, as I, as I said, I I know people in Seattle and they they were they were gutted that they've lost him. You know, this is a guy who who went there ten years ago and in ten years has made the playoffs every year. He's made the team of the year nearly every year. So we, we've, we've got a guy who's used to winning, and that's the one thing that you know I, I hope and I know he will rub off on other people because the one thing he spoke about from the day he got here was, we have to win, coach. We have to make the playoffs. I don't want to lose this record of never not making the playoffs. So I just hope that experience and that enthusiasm and drive that he has sort of rubs off on players. I, I know the younger players are going to benefit from having him around. Adrian, how much do you embrace the talk of you guys being a playoff team? Well, we get into that stage now, aren't we? I said when I got here, you know, were we ready to MLS? Probably not. But I did say at the end of the third year, we should be in a position where we are challenging. And that's got to be the case this year. We, we are getting to the stage now where we have a group of players that are, are as good as, I think, a lot of the teams in the West and um, better than some in the East. So... You know, God willing, and if we stay free and have a little bit of luck along the way, because we all need that, you know, it's we have an opportunity, we have a chance. I mean, is this the year that you circled? I mean, going back a few years when you took this job, Adrian, did you circle year three, maybe for obvious reasons, with the opening of the new stadium and what have you, but was this the year that you circled where you said, okay, it's going to take a while to build the roster, but by year three, this thing should come together? Yes. I, you know, I'd been through it in Orlando. And obviously, I was the disappointment of that changing after a year and a half with the new ownership group. But I know that if 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 we've got another window halfway through this, by the end of this season, we should have a squad of players that is comparable with anybody in the league. Now, obviously, one or two teams are spending huge amounts. We know that, and we're never going to be that team. You know, but, but, but we are capable of being a team that can compete with anybody, and that's what I want. If we can compete the way I know we can, we prove we can beat teams. In the last two years, some of the big, biggest teams, we've won 4-1, 5-1 at home. What we've got to do, we've got to get more consistency on the road, be more resolute, be 
more difficult to beat, play with a bit more determination, not give seven goals away when we're on top of games, which is what we've done in the past. And if we can rectify a few of them little issues, I don't see any reason that we can't be competitive. On being more consistent on the road, I mean, how challenging is the early portion of this schedule with five consecutive games on the road before you open up Allianz Field? Yeah, well, it's obviously, ideally, they always want a couple of home games in there, but, you know, we've got 17 on the road, we've got 17 at home. We know that before we started, so let's make sure that we're ready. You know, this group already has proved that we are defensively better than at any stage since I've been here. I, I, I think, you know, we talk about goals conceded and, you know, everybody automatically looks at the back four and the goalkeeper. But sometimes you have to look at what protection they're getting in front of them. And I honestly believe with, with Ozzy Alonso and Jan Gregush in there, then they'll get more protection as well. So, you know, as I say, we, we, we're more than optimistic going into the, the game tomorrow. Who are the players that are returning, not the new guys, but the players that are returning, Adrian, that have you the most excited? Well, we we, we expect more out of the younger guys, you know, uh, Abu Dunlardi, we expect more out of Mason Toy. Obviously, Darwin Quintero came in and lit the league up last year. Mm-hmm. We're looking for Darwin to continue where he, where he left off. He had that purple patch through the middle of the year where he was virtually unplayable. We need to get him back to that level. Romario Barra, we didn't see a lot of him. He's, he's been really sharp in the last two or three preseason games, you know. And and for me, because I know what it's like having been through it, I'm really looking forward to seeing Ethan Finley and Kevin Molino come back because they'll be a huge boost to the group, not only for their ability but their their willingness to run and their enthusiasm and their love of the game. So you know, they, I'm really looking forward to seeing them two back out on the field as well. How close are they? I mean, when might we see Finley and Molino back in games? Well, Finley's, Finley's been, you know, playing 30, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes in, in preseason games. Okay. Probably okay. a little bit early. It's probably a little bit early for him to play the full 90, but uh, he's, he's certainly all in now, and Kevin's probably a couple of weeks away. So certainly in the next month, I would expect to see both of them on the field. Do you have some players in new positions this year? We do. We've obviously got... Um, uh, Romain Mantinier, who plays at right back, he came in from uh, Reims in France. Very, very experienced player, playing in the top league in France. He's come in and hit the ground running. We've been really pleased with him. And obviously, you know, Ike has been a huge boost for us. This is a guy who undoubtedly is one of the league's best defenders, and it cost us money to bring him. We spent a lot of money on him, but we think it's well, well worth it because even in the short period that we've had him. He's given us certain things that we've been lacking since I've been here. Will you rotate goalies or will you settle on one? Because you have two guys that clearly can can help you. No, I I think it's one of the few positions where, you know, certainly they need that consistency. They need to get a rapport with the back four. So, you know, I don't envisage that. Obviously, it'll be disappointing for whoever doesn't start tomorrow. But then we know what football is. Your opportunity will come at some stage. So, Whoever starts tomorrow, it's up to them to maintain their, their form and keep the shirt. Otherwise, uh, we have a good backup in whoever it is. How healthy has the competition been between the two guys? Been, the goalkeepers are always the same. Every day they work really, really hard. <laughs> you know, Dane Sinclair, the, the young guy that we drafted, has been exceptional as well. So we, we're really pleased with our, our goalkeeping situation at this moment in time. Um, we've got healthy competition all over the field now, and, and goalkeepers no different. How have you grown, Adrian, as a coach? How are you now a different coach compared to maybe even back to your days with Orlando? Well, I, I think, obviously, it's experience, experience, some of the stuff that you go through is challenging. 
you know, and we've had some challenges here. You know, when I look back at the first year, you know, we we didn't even get on grass till I think it was nearly June the first year. We didn't, you know, we couldn't get a consistent place to train, you know, training at different times. Last year was a little bit better, and, and then we had a spell where we, you know, we, we conceded too many goals on the road. But they're all they're all tests. They're all things that, you know, you, you have to maintain your enthusiasm and make sure that you come in every day making the players believe in what you're trying to do. Um, but, you know, I think the most important thing for me now is I have a group of players that I have a firm belief that they can compete, which is maybe something that we've not had in the past. What's the scouting report on Vancouver tomorrow's opponent? Well, it's it's very sketchy at the moment because I think they've changed maybe 20 players over, you know, a new coach. So they, they're starting again. It's a new cycle for them. They've gone a lot younger. They've gone, they've got rid of some of their older players. And so we've had them watched, obviously, and we've got a couple of tapes on them from the last couple of preseason games. But yeah, it's all new, new for everybody. It's their first game at home. They'll be full house. So we know it's going to be difficult. It's genuinely difficult, generally. And um, I think it's going to be no different. I fully expect it to be a difficult, difficult game. But we've proved we can go there and compete. And I don't think we've been there in the past with a group of players as good as this group. Do you put an extra emphasis on getting off to a fast start? I mean, heck, you're right. You play 34. You know, game 18 mm-hmm. is the same as game one. But you never want to be chasing in the standings. I mean, do you tell the guys about putting an extra emphasis on these first couple I, games? I think that the first thing, you need to get something on the board. Because the longer that you don't get anything on the board, the more that people keep talking about it, the more that the pressure grows. You know, we've got five difficult road games. We know that. But we're, we're approaching him with a different mindset. This is a different group than we've had in the past. You know, they, they, they aren't carrying any baggage from what's gone on over the last few years. This is a new group, and I expect new results. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm full of optimism for this group. I really am. Adrian, all the best, not only tomorrow in Vancouver, but this entire season. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. United head coach Adrian Heath, year three for Minnesota United in the MLS. The opener tomorrow right here on 1500 AM, 5 o'clock at Vancouver. Five straight road games before United open up that beautiful new stadium in St. Paul, Allianz Field, in mid-April. When we come back, we'll talk American football. Zach Terrell is the former quarterback at Western Michigan. He knows P.J. Fleck and Kirk Sharaka as well as anyone, certainly Fleck in the news in the last week or so because Jerry Kill took some personal shots at him. So we'll take the temperature of Zach, who knows P.J. as well as anyone, how maybe P.J. is feeling about those comments, and just overall thoughts on P.J. Fleck, Kirk Sharaka, who could have gone to West Virginia, but he's back as the Gophers play caller, Gophers offensive coordinator, and the direction that the Gopher football program is headed from somebody who knows Sharaka and Fleck incredibly well. Stay with us. It's the Scoop Podcast. Welcome back to Score North, scorenorth.com. That's S-K-O-R, Score North. 1500 AM on your radio dial. It is the Scoop Podcast. Let's transition now to talking about P.J. Flack 
Kirk Scirocco, maybe some NFL talk as well with a former NFL quarterback, also a former quarterback of P.J. Flex at Western Michigan. He had a cup of coffee in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens. He now works in the automobile industry in the Kalamazoo, Michigan area. It is Zach Terrell. Zach, I appreciate your time. Let's go sequentially connecting you to P.J. Flex. So you're already at Western Michigan going back, what about... What now, about seven years or so, you were redshirting. You committed to the previous regime, previous coach. P.J. Fleck comes in. What were those first initial weeks, months like as you were getting to know P.J. Fleck? Obviously, Coach Fleck has a ton of energy and um, a huge personality, um, a big, big vision. And I, honestly, my, my first memories of him were, you know, him, you know, constantly talking about this row the boat thing. And really just having no idea what, you know, that has to do with being a Bronco and playing football and um, not really understanding how it correlates. And I'm sure a lot of people in Minnesota can understand because I felt that or how I feel and um, at that time. But it took me a long time to kind of realize what uh, what Roll the Boat was all about and whether or not this, you know, P.J. Flett guy could keep up this energy and keep up this positivity um, on a consistent basis. When you say, Zach, that it took a long time, I mean, are we talking many, many months? I mean, did it change once you started getting regular snaps? Was that halfway through your redshirt freshman year, or was there a moment or two maybe before you started taking snaps in games? You know, I think there was, it did definitely took some time because Coach Fleck came in there, and I think all of spring ball there wasn't 100% buy-in, and honestly, Coach Fleck kind of called me out on it. He's like, I don't think you're a good leader, and I don't think you're 100% bought into what you know what I'm bringing here. And if you don't, you know, hop in the boat and dive all in, then you're not going to be here for very long. And that was a tough pill to swallow. And I kind of had uh, a few choices: whether to, you know, flee and you know transfer somewhere else, like a lot of people do, um, or stay and fight and prove him, prove to him, and prove to myself that I could buy into a culture that a coach was bringing, something that was different that had never been done at Western Michigan University before. Were you close to fleeing? I mean, did it ever come to that point where you almost said, hey, I'm out of here? Yeah, you know, there was a lot of people that were, you know, kind of people from back home, coaches, you know, even my parents that, you know, kind of talked to me about considering leaving. You know, when a head coach says to you, I don't think you're a good leader and you're the quarterback of the team, uh, that's a pretty big wake-up call because, uh, as a lot of people know, the quarterback is the extension of the head coach. And that was him kind of saying, I'm not really 100% sold on you. Um, it was actually, I, I really think that he would have gotten rid of me if it wasn't for um, his ex-wife. I think she liked me more than he did. And she kind of stuck her neck out for me and saw, saw something in me and, you know, kind of I stuck around and ended up buying in. But it did take time. It was not something that happened overnight. All right, so once you bought in and bought into the row-the-boat culture, what does what does row-the-boat mean to you? Row-the-boat isn't just a mantra. It's a way of life. It's a never-give-up type attitude, and it's something that has so many different pieces to it that can be applied to every aspect of your life. People still ask me how I'm doing. I still say that I'm doing elite. I still use all the Brockanese. And now, you know, the halferisms or whatever they call them in Minnesota, all those things are applicable to life. And people might think they're silly. People might not understand them. 
But the more you dive into them, the more that you realize that it's it's truly a, a way to live. And um, it's dramatically impacted my life on the football field, in the classroom, now in business. It's in every aspect of my life. It has made me a better person because I've bought in to these life, this lifestyle that Coach Flack is preaching. All right, I mean, expound on that. So even to this day, as you're just regular guy, right? I mean, not regular. People still know who you are, but but you're no longer a football mm-hmm. player. I mean, you're just you have a normal nine to five type job there in where the Kalamazoo, Michigan area. Even to this day, you still live by by the row the bulk culture. Absolutely. I mean, uh, there's, it's not just something that you do. I mean, if you truly buy in, it's something that will change your life. It's not just something that changes your four to five years. It's something that can change you forever. And either you let that happen or you don't. And people wonder, you know, how Coach Fleck can keep doing this row the boat thing and keep being so passionate about it because he truly believes in it. It's because he practices it. I mean, what more can you ask from the guy? And when you see somebody that does that consistently, you see the energy that they bring. You want that. It's contagious. And for the people that don't buy in, they won't be there. But the people that do, I promise you, will be champions on and off the field. What's your relationship like with PJ today? Our our relationship has really transformed from, you know, previously a coach – player relationship to now really a friendship um i like to consider my i like to be in his corner when he needs it and he's in mine when i need it and uh he's been a huge um help for me and he's a great encourager a great motivator and he really challenges me the way that i think and the way that i they act even the words i use i mean he is a fantastic motivator and leader and somebody i still lean on heavily for his advice and um his inspiration so when talking about a mentor, a dear friend, what was your reaction, Zach, when you saw the comments or heard the comments from Jerry Kill last week, taking some personal shots at PJ? Yeah, you know, and I don't, you know, Coach Keel, all I've heard from Coach Fleck on Coach Keel is that that was a guy that really taught him how to care for players. And for a guy, for a coach that cared more for players than any coach I've ever played for, really that cares for people, more than any person I've ever met. I just, I know Coach Keel instilled that, instilled that and helped blossom that in Coach Fleck. So I thank Coach Keel for that. But I don't know how much time he's spent with Coach over the past seven years, but I know I've spent more time than anybody with Coach Fleck over these seven, past seven years. And um, I can tell you one thing there is nobody that's more about the players, more about the university more about the city of Minneapolis, the state of Minnesota, than Coach Fleck and beyond. Um, His presence isn't just going to stick with just football. It's going to grow and continue to grow and build momentum and change lives. And that might rub some people the wrong way, and unfortunately it seems like it has for Coach Kill, but I hope that he, you know, opens his mind to this row-the-boat thing. It's not for everybody. But it is something that can change everybody's lives, even a coach that's been ultra-successful like Coach Keel. When you say, Zach, that, that P.J. is all about the university, okay, that being said, how bugged were you by him leaving Western Michigan to come here to Minnesota? I th- every person deserves to take a, um, a better opportunity. Every, that's the American dream. 
you know, continuing to grow and develop and push yourself and to take different steps in your career. Everybody does it. And I think anybody that looks at it as, oh, Coach Fleck abandoned Western Michigan University isn't paying attention to what he did. He set a new standard here at Western Michigan University. He did something that's never been done before. And he is the only coach in 120 or 115 years that has ever left on his own terms for a better job, quote-unquote, better job. So I applaud him for doing that because I think any other person that was in his shoes would do the same thing. Do you whoever think, says they wouldn't yeah. is lying. Sure. But, hey, I mean, and you're clearly biased, but do you feel like Minnesota is a better job than Western Michigan? I Well, Western Michigan's my alma mater, so I think it's the greatest school on earth. Sure, yeah. But Coach Fleck had to make a decision for himself, and he did. And he has been 100% committed to that decision, and I've never heard him ever tell me that he regrets making that decision. Does he miss Western Michigan University? Absolutely. That's the school that gave him his first opportunity. That'll always be a special place in his heart and his career. And, you know, I'm sure he'll come back and he'll do things for this community down the road. But right now he's 100% committed to Minnesota. That's his next, you know, that's the next vision for him, to turn a place like that around and to make it an elite culture and a winning program. We're talking with former Western Michigan quarterback Zach Terrell. He knows P.J. Fleck. He knows Kirk Shiraka as well as anyone. One more thing on what Kill had to say, Zach, and to get your reaction. When Kill said, and hey, I like Jerry. I mean, I've gotten to know Jerry covering him all the years here. I have nothing wrong with Jerry, but one thing where I'll disagree with him on is when he talked about P.J. changing, I mean, yes, right? I mean, that's obvious. When when you go through something as traumatic as losing a child, I mean, I can't relate. Thankfully, I can't relate. I'm assuming you can't relate. A lot of people can't relate, but to go through something so traumatic, I mean, I guess my comeback to that is, how wouldn't you change, right? Would you agree with that, that PJ, of course, changed after he lost an infant? Well, one of Coach Fleck's biggest quotes is, change your best. And I, he's still doing that to this day. You know, every time I visited Minnesota, there are things that he's doing there that he didn't do at Western, that he has ramped up and made that much better. And going through a traumatic experience like that, I don't, I, I know I can sympathize with it, but I can't empathize with it. I've never experienced something like that. And I mean, I think there's a critical difference between sympathizing and empathizing. And um, I think that Coach Fleck has uh, taken something so traumatic and made it into such a positive movement that has, like I said, impacted so many people. Still does. How many times have you been here to Minnesota? Take us through some of your visits here to Minnesota. So I came out to Minnesota, um, let's see, I didn't make it out for the first his first season, but I did make it in the off season, and then I made it back for the Purdue game hmm, this past Good game, season. yeah. So I've been out twice. Yeah, I mean, the Purdue game was, was pretty memorable. I mean, terrible weather, and hey, the Gophers put on a show that day. Yeah, and I, I'm, I've been so impressed watching them, the effort in which they play has been just phenomenal because I remember being in that stage when we were really young and they're really young and just, you know, not really 100% knowing what's going on but just giving your absolute all. That's the stage they're in. And it's going to be really exciting to see when they start putting together a lot more reps and building that repetition and knowing, you know, what to expect, um, knowing how to prepare 
knowing how to be ready for these big games on top of the, you know, the talent that they have and on top of the culture, it's going to be a really fun team to watch this next season and as the seasons progress because the recruiting classes are always going to be there. Coach Fleck could sell ice to an Eskimo. So that's <laughs> always going to be there. But it's, you know, putting on that experience and that depth is going to be really scary and really fun to watch. As you watch the Gophers, I mean, sitting there watching the Purdue game, watching some games on TV, like, are you sitting there? Are you able to call out plays? I mean, do you realize pre-snap exactly what the heck they're about to run? I would be the best scout for a defense versus Western <laughs> Michigan. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I've been in that offense for four years. They do a lot of different stuff, but uh, not a lot of different stuff, but they do do some different things here and there. But, um, uh, yeah, I still know that offense like the back of my hand. Coach Scirocco will try to tell you otherwise, but uh, I could still remember pretty much most of it, so I can call it most offense what I watch. All right, so when the offense is buzzing, and we certainly saw it buzzing at different points this past year, but when it's really buzzing, what is working really, really well? Balance. Absolutely. Balance is 100%, and that's how it was at Western. When the running game is you know, most effective, because it's a run-first program, you have to have a, of a passing game that can complement that, that can stretch and open up the field to allow that running game to produce. And I think that both those freshman quarterbacks did a tremendous job as freshmen giving them the opportunity to run the ball effectively. Because without the pass game, the run game is not effective, and vice versa. And that's the biggest part is balance, that offense needs it to be at an elite level. Do you see some parallels with Tanner Morgan? I mean, he takes over about halfway through his redshirt freshman year, just like you. He led the Gophers to some nice victories down the stretch, including getting the axe back, a win over Wisconsin, something that rarely happens around here, something that hadn't happened in like 15 years. You know, Tanner Morgan had a big say in doing that and then leading them to the bowl victory. Do you see some parallels between you and Tanner Morgan? It is kind of um, a little bit of an ironic situation because I have basically, like you said, had the exact same situation. So I, I really applaud Tanner. So Tanner actually reached out to me before the off season, uh, or before the season started. And he just wanted to ask questions about how he could be a better leader um, about certain things in the offense, how I saw things. And that showed me a lot about him. And then what showed me even more is when he didn't start the season off as a starter – how he was, how engaged he was, and that just showed when they finally put him in as a starter after the other quarterback got hurt. And um, from then on, he just took it and ran, ran with it. And I think a lot of it has to do with his willingness to learn and to, you know, reach out to somebody that honestly, we he other than me uh, taking him on his official visit, we don't really know each other. But um, that takes a lot of courage. And it's really smart on his part to ask somebody who's been in that system all longer than him. That willingness to learn is what's going to make him um, an elite player at Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, that's a reminder. I mean, he was a commit to Western Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, when he took his visit to Western Michigan, you were his recruiting host? I was. But we kind of stayed in communication a little bit. But I was really impressed with him. He reached out. We had a really long conversation about how to be a better leader. And 
different parts of the offense that only someone who had been in that offense would understand. Zach, this was a really fun chat. I'm up against the clock, but this was a really fun chat. But if you're open to it, let's do it again sometime, whether it's during spring practice, the Gophers have their spring game coming up in mid-April, or sometime in August or September when the season gets going. Yeah, I'd love to. I appreciate that. Former P.J. Fleck quarterback at Western Michigan, Zach Terrell. He led them to that 13-win season when they lost to Wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl. Gophers football spring practice begins on March 12th. The spring game will be on April 13th. When we come back here on the Scoop podcast on Score North, scorenorth.com, we'll talk twins spring training. We are back here on 1500 AM. It is the Scoop podcast. He is tan. He is rested. He is ready. He is back from Fort Myers covering the Twins. It is KSTP Channel 5 Sports Director Joe Schmidt. All right, Joe, you were down in Fort Myers covering the Twins for multiple days. You're now back here in Minnesota. What stood out the most to you in your three days down in Fort Myers? Two things. Uh, One, there is a real subtle kind of feeling that this team can surprise people. They, They really like their lineup, and they think that their pitching coach and their approach at pitching this year can make them better. And number two, it's a whole different feel with Rocco Baldelli. In a good it's, way? Well, it's it's different. It's just different. You know, the the players now do a lot of analytical stuff. They go and they watch themselves on video. They go and they look at computer stuff. They, you know, it's it's certainly a part of the game. And I can't tell you how many guys I interviewed who would bring up something that they changed because of the analytics or something that they changed because, for example, Kyle Gibson was talking about when they sent him the numbers that his fastball, when he got it in the strike zone, was very effective. He said that's when the light bulb went on. Remember last year? He got sent down in 2017. Mm-hmm. And last year he had a really good year. He was great. He was really, I mean, his I mean record, for his standards, he was. He it was, was 10 and 13. His record wasn't great, but his ERA was under four. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a lot of swings and misses, more than he ever did before. And what he realized is, is you know, he had always been nibbling with his fastball, but when he threw his fastball for a strike, it made his slider better. It made his changeup better. And now he throws an occasional curve. This was all done because of the, the the metrics that they use. Then it was Oda Rizzi. They put him under the slow motion machine, so they found out a mechanical problem with him. So all these things that we hear about, I don't know if they go to wins and losses, but it is a different approach than it was for the Twins. There's no good morning America drill. You know, the players can wear what they kind of want to out of practice. Nobody's wearing a jersey or a number, so that's kind of hard. I, I think they ought to change that for the fans. I mean, oh, sure. I was I was hard at the media trying to figure out who are some of these guys because you know you got sixty some guys in camp, but, um, but the fans are going. I you know I I heard a fan you know ask somebody if he was Eddie Rosario. Well, was anywhere near Eddie Rosario, <laughs> but you know the the fans don't know because they don't have a number to look at. How good can the lineup be? And you know I think it could be really good because I think with the addition of Marwin, they have ten starters. They, I mean, they really do, and there's a lot of flexibility in that lineup. And, um, you know, you look at it, and if everybody has the bounce-back year that they could, you know, Jonathan Scope. That's not realistic, Byron Bucks, though, is it's it? It's not realistic. It's not realistic. However, if two of the three do or three of the five do, and you still have Marwin Gonzalez there to pick up whoever doesn't, you know, then all of a sudden you're sitting there looking at a team that can score some runs. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Twins scored more runs than any team in baseball that did not make the playoffs last year. Hmm. Maybe the American League. It might have been the American League. All right, but subtract 
Dozier a good amount of at bats before his yeah. trade to the Dodgers. You subtract Joe Maurer. Yeah, I mean there are changes, right? But you bring in Nelson Cruz. You know, Jonathan Scope. Jonathan Scope had the same stats last year as Brian Dozier had, by the way. And they've said Scope had a bad year. So if Scope goes anywhere near to what he did in 2017, that could be an add plus. And uh, you know, I think Scope's defense. It's probably comparable to Dozier's, maybe not quite as good. I, mean, Go- I think Dozier, I would take Dozier defensively. Uh, yeah, I think I would not too. Not by time, but I would take him. But, I mean, even, okay, you think about last year, right? I mean, Buxton, right? A throwaway year. Awful. Miguel Sano, throwaway year. Yep. Jorge Polanco missed 80-something games. So you're talking about all the runs they scored. Think about all those negatives, right? So I don't think all those things are going to go wrong this year. You're right, Cruz, Gonzalez, Crone's going to hit home runs, right? Yep. Scope is going to hit home runs. Hey, Rosario's a 20-home run guy, right? Kepler's a 20-home run guy. I mean, how many home runs is this team going to hit? I told you, you mentioned Rosario. I told you the soundbite. we got to run it one of these days yeah. with, with Levine. When he said that he thinks that Rosario has a chance to be one of the great players of our generation. I mean, that, that's a big bite. Now, remember, there were about two months last year where Rosario, not that this ever happens, but Rosario for two months might have been one of the top five players in mm-hmm. the American League. I mean, really, when you looked at his numbers. So if he can extend that or get a little bit more consistent. But um, so... But the one thing that always happens in spring training is is no matter what you plan, what you don't plan is is somebody will not have the year they're supposed to have. It might be Polanco. It it might be Rosario. It might be Max Kepler. I mean, who knows? All right, well, on the flip side, on offense, do you have a guy, sort of a pick to click? Like, for me, I think it's Kepler. Yeah. I do. I think, you know, he started to hit lefties a little bit better last year and went through a dip. But, I mean, I think he's a 20-home run guy. I just think that swing – is so beautiful that at some point we're looking at a 300-type hitter, a guy that has a really high on-base percentage. Because he does walk a lot. I think you have a hard time looking at that swing and see a 224 batting average, which he had last year. Is that what it was last year? 224. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's he's better off. than that, right? He's, I mean, I, if he's 275, he had 20 home runs last year, only drove him 58 runs. So there's two things he's got to improve on, the batting average and hitting in the clutch. Um, so, But I would agree with you. There's a lot of upside there. I like I'm I'm kind of interested in Jonathan Scope. I mean, uh, an interview is an interview, but he certainly he certainly seems like a guy who's got to burn his saddle. Uh, Levine told me that, or it was probably one of the guys told me that he only wanted a one year contract. They actually talked to him about a multiple year contract. Mm. He only wanted Did a I one scoop? year. What's that? I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, he only wanted a one year deal, and uh, and I think it's because it's a it's he's going to show people. You know that that's a big gamble on his part. You get a two-year deal in baseball because you never know, especially with free agency today. When you were down there, Byron Buxton hit what, like one or two home runs, got yeah. on base eight or nine times. But hey, is the comeback that these pitchers aren't throwing off-speed stuff? They're not throwing sliders. But overall, forget those two or three games, right. small sample size. I mean, just watching him work. Like, weren't you at the ballpark at seven a.m. one morning? And there's Byron Buxton yeah. doing work in the outfield. And we've heard about his legendary work ethic. I think people forget too, Joe. He earned, like legitimately earned, MVP votes two years ago at 23 years old. And he, so should people be excited about Byron Buxton this year? I would say cautiously excited. Um, we still got to see how he does, like you said, with a curveball with two strikes on the outside corner. But everybody is talking about a different Byron Buxton. doesn't matter who you talk to. And A, he's bigger. He, there's no question he put on some strength in the offseason. They say 15 pounds of muscle. But B... Um, there's a little confident swagger going on there that he didn't have last year. And I think that maybe he just, over time, had too many people in his ear. 
You know, you think about that. All the people who went to him, from Rod Carew to 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 Molitor to Rosen, the hitting coach, to you know, how many people were in his ear that he just totally lost that confidence? How about a pick to click on the pitching side? Um, my surprise guy might be McGill making the team. Okay, that's another guy that analytics they found some stuff out on him. I mean, he was okay last he year. He was okay last year. He's been around the league. Uh, he's I think he's got a chance to come up north. So, um, how about starting rotation wise? Odorizzi, hmm. contract year, uh, contract year. Once again, it was a mechanical thing, and uh, you know, I talked to him a lot about it. He said it took a month and a half after the season to straighten it out. It's, it's not. It's like a golf swing. It's not like you make one little adjustment. You've got to get your body to work that way. But the other guy, <laughs> I'll tell you what, big Mike Pineda. That's his nickname down there. Mike Pineda. He is big. I saw him throw a bullpen. Yeah. Once again, it's spring training. Doesn't mean a thing. Don't know if there were strikes or it's not a batter standing there. But boy, does that ball fly out of his hand. I mean, and he, I didn't realize how big he was. He is a huge man. Not just tall. Like, there's girth there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got a he's got a butt that would, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, right? I mean, CeCe Sabathia is a large human being. Yeah. And he's been a really good pitcher, right? So I don't think it matters all that much when you're a pitcher. And once again, a guy who, you know, it, it is, he hasn't pitched in two years. But but uh, you know he's he's out to prove himself that he can do it. I interviewed him and uh, you know he kind of went to the he thought he was at the Oscars. Well, I'd like to thank the Minnesota Twins <laughs> for believing in me and for <laughs> he kind of went that way, which was kind of funny, but it, it was sweet because he he kind of thought you know they they paid me for a year because they believed in me that I would be here today and here I am. So uh, once again, I don't know what you're going to get on. You, let's face it. Unless it's Jose Barrios, the Twins are hoping to get six innings out of most of their starters, right? Well, and I think they're hoping to be in a position come July where they're in it. It's a bad division. We all get that. I mean, maybe it's the Indians and them. Maybe it's just them. But they have a really good farm system now. Yep. They can make a trade. Like, I think too many people get fixated on what's the roster on March 28th. The roster is ever-changing over many, many months, right? So come July, if they're in a position, if they're a couple games back or leading the division, you know what? I think they'll go get a really good arm. You like the Astros a couple years ago traded for Verlander. Right. They can go make a move like that. They will because, A, they'll spend the money, and, B, they've got assets in the minors. Uh, and, and they probably have to do that because, you know, the one thing they don't have in the minors is they don't have a future ace down there. They've got some pretty good position players, but they really don't have – I don't think What they about have, the Gratterall kid? Yeah, we need to see it maybe above yeah. the A level. He has a chance. He has a chance. Yeah. But but he's not in the Jose Barrios category yet. The velocity's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But I But yeah, I mean when thinking top prospects, right? It's Royce Lewis, it's Alex Kirilov. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite, but he's he's in that next tier. Yeah. He's a chance. I, I spoke to Royce. Uh, he's going to be a, a treat, this kid, when he yeah. plays. And Kirilov is a lot bigger than I thought he was. He's you know, That was their first major league camp for both those guys, so it was our first chance to kind of see him up close. And uh, uh, he's a big guy. He's a big kid, big, strong guy. I appreciate it, Joe. People can check out a lot of Joe's work on the sports page on KSTP.com. Briefly on the Vikings as we wrap up the Scoop podcast here on 1500 AM, Score North, scorenorth.com. There's Trey Wayne's trade chatter. 
I hear the Vikings are open-minded to trading a lot of guys. I mean, hey, Harrison Smith off-limits, Adam Thielen off-limits. Honest to God, my senses from talking to some Vikings and NFL folks is they're open-minded depending on what the offer is. Now, do I think they're on the cusp of trading a guy like Stephon Diggs? No. And Kirk Cousins has a no trade. But I'm just saying, yes, would they trade Trey Waynes for the right offer? They would, but I think they would trade a lot of guys for the right offer. Here are some of the offensive linemen that the Vikings have either met formally or informally with at the Combine. Dalton Reisner of Kansas State, Mike Jordan of Ohio State, Greg Little of Ole Miss, Chris Lindstrom of Boston College, Lamont Galliard of Georgia, Nate Davis of Charlotte, Trey Pipkins, Apple Valley High School, Sioux Falls, David Edwards of Wisconsin, and others. The Vikings very busy doing their homework on offensive linemen and others there in Indianapolis. All right, we are done here on 1500 AM. This has been the Scoop Podcast, episode 207. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.